edition of Kiwi Trips as we head for the country. Southern Queensland country hits the road west from Brisbane. Our travels take us to Australia's largest inland city, Toowoomba. And then we graze heartily from the Granite Belt wine region. Enjoy a different side to Queensland. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters, I'm Andrew Seppi. And I'm Mike Yardley. Good to see you, Michael. Winter's claws are extra sharp at the moment. Yes, indeed, although I have to say, I do feel like I'm sharing the studio with a wounded warrior. It's like the walking wounded here. Jake the pig, come on down. What the hell did you do to yourself, Andrew? Well, I actually had five lovely nights at Christchurch Hospital. Uh, now, I know that Christchurch Hospital have come under fire in the past for, you know, but lackluster service, yep. as, you, as you know, and I would have had to agree. But um, I tell you what, absolute flying colours. They have really really up their game. Everything, all the staff, total and utter symmetry right the way through. Fantastic. You had your own room with a view. I did. You know what I actually did? Uh, And what happened was um, in a training session one night, I um, basically shattered my tibial plateau, which is just under the kneecap. Yes, yes. Um, Anyway. Well, um, speaking of plateaus, not of the tibial kind like Andrew. By the way, how long is this going to take to recover? How um, long is Jake the pig with us? Um, six weeks till I can put full weight okay. on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are also <laughs> plateaus to be found uh, in Toowoomba. Yes. And um, the reason for this is because Toowoomba sits high up on the plateau of the Great Dividing Range, which makes the city feel like it sort of clings to an escarpment. It is indeed. Now, how, how far west of Brisbane is the drive to Toowoomba? Or T-Bar, as, <laughs> T-Bar Shane, as the locals call it, mate. Well, it's just a two-hour drive to T-Bar through the lovely undulating patchwork of the Lockyer Valley. In the Tirana. In the Tirana. Um, and this um, drive will hoist you up 700 metres above sea level. Um, and as you enter from the east into Toowoomba, the city does look like it's dangling in the sky on the edge of this elevated terrain. Have very Harry Potter. <laughs> and alongside being Australia's largest inland city, Toowoomba is Queensland's garden city. But like Christchurch, right? Mm. Is that actually noticeable when you sort of first drive in? Uh, it certainly is, Andrew, because they've just got bedding gardens everywhere, just blazes of them. Um, And there's a glut of these gorgeous manicured gardens. One of the big ones is Queen's Park um, within the city's boundaries. And That'll be be just serenity. It is the serenity. How many many more castle jokes do you reckon we can get to this podcast? I think we can use the entire movie script at some point. Right. Um, But (laughs) alongside your lovely serene gardens... Uh, in T-Bar, you've got these lovely stately homes that grace the city in broad tree-lined streets. So it's a really inviting sort of place. By the way, if you are planning a getaway Mm -hmm. uh, to Queensland in September, that's when Toowoomba really lays it on botanically because they have their Carnival of Flowers, which is the longest-running floral event of its kind in Australia that rages on right through September. Now, as we've come to expect with our fair cousins in Australia, there is cultural variety. Toowoomba isn't exactly a name that makes you think of Japanese gardens. (laughs) (laughs) Nonetheless, they have a very nice one. Yes, 
Ju uh, Raku N, which is uh, the most delightful Zen-like garden. How do you say that in the same sentence as Tewomba? Uh, that's very true. Ju mm. Raku N Tiba. Um, <laughs> now you'll find this in the University of Southern Queensland's uh, grounds, and I spent about an hour or so totally zoned out as if I was on Andrew Seppi's morphine, uh, <laughs> admiring the five-hectare garden, which is crowned with a lovely lake and carefully aligned boulders. Everything's so perfect, isn't it, with the Japanese? It is. The Lovely. bamboo stands are like ramrod straight. Um, <laughs> perfect, perfect bridges, curvaceous paths, and this is one of the largest Japanese gardens in Australia. It really is nice. Nice. Now, along with other great Aussie names like the Gold Coaster and Lover's Lane, tell us about Picnic Point. Yes, well, this is located... <laughs> It's such a great Queensland name, Picnic Point. <laughs> Picnic Point. <laughs> so this is located on the eastern side of T-Bar, and it serves up enormous views. It's like a balcony view across the topographical grandeur of the region and that great dividing range. A scenic highlight is the imposing site of Tabletop Mountain. Mm-hmm. Its name is rather self-explanatory. It, yeah, yeah. it kind of looks like a mesa that you would see in the American Southwest. I've seen you mount a few tabletops in your time, Michael. Did you (laughs) you mount this one? Well, my horsing days of getting on top of people's tables, Andrew, are behind (laughs) me. (laughs) Not what I've read. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very popular mountain to climb, though. Uh, It's about two hours return. It is quite the gut buster to reach that flat-topped summit, which has no trees on the summit, by the way. It's a treeless summit. Perfect view. uh, Nothing obstructing you. And interestingly, a lot of Queenslanders will actually go to Tabletop um, and use it as a training track when they are prepping to perhaps scale Mount Kilimanjaro or to head off on the Kokoda Trail in PNG. I was planning on doing that in the weekend, so I'll (laughs) bear that in mind. Back in the city, street art is one of Toowoomba's great calling cards with a spree of like laneways, building walls and public spaces vividly cast in eye-catching works. You've got it in one there, Andrew. Um, And there is this dedicated street art trail that weaves it all together. So it will whip you through Mark Lane, Bank Lane, Searles Walk. Uh, (laughs) It's Neil Street, where most of the action is. I think from memory they've got over 50 murals alone in Neil Street to feast your eyes on. So it is a really good splash of art um, in Toowoomba. And then adding further texture and character to the city centre, Toowoomba's old bones. They've got so many loving, lovingly preserved showpiece buildings uh, and so many heritage-listed sites. Now, this does include the bedazzling 1911 Empire Theatre. I absolutely am in love with the Empire. Um, it is the pride of locals. It's the sort of theatre you'd want in your own neighbourhood. It's just Art Deco galore, the most resplendent Art Deco lobby. Um, By the way, the old post office and the courthouse, I know that might sound a bit meh, but they are just gorgeous, gorgeous buildings in the heart of Toowoomba, Uh, venerable sandstone masterpieces from the late 19th century. And it's funny, actually, because old post offices have popped up all around the world yeah. as great cafes yes, or restaurants, or even throughout New Zealand. Yep. You know, there's one in Mount Eden. There's one. Yep. You know, an old post office makes a nice place. It does. Now, they do like their history in Toowoomba or mm-hmm. T-Bar, and as you and I will recall from the old Bushin days in Rickerton with the old <laughs> Cobb & Co. clickety-clackety-rickety-rackety stagecoach yep. we used to climb on as kids. Now, the Cobb & Co. Museum yes. in, in T-Bar yes. is a huge draw. 
Yes, you won't get any traffic light drinks at the Cobb & Co Museum, I hasten to point and, out. And, and the old Cobb Crunchies. Oh, man. They were good. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, yes, the Cobb & Co Museum, it's home to the National Carriage Collection uh, and their huge array of vehicles and horse-drawn carriages. I love those carriages. Mm. Uh, lots of outback memorabilia and extensive displays. And um, they played such an important role in Queensland's development, as they did across Australia and New Zealand, pioneering so many transport routes, Cobb and Co. They delivered mm. mail, they delivered gold, they delivered passengers. And traffic light drinks. Indeed. Yeah. That came in time. <laughs> but at its peak, I learned this at uh, Toowoomba, Cobb and Co. operated um, a network of tracks that extended further than any other coach system in the world. Wow. So okay. this is like you know, yeah. late um, late 1800s, let's say. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the last um, Australian Cobb & Co stagecoach actually ran in Queensland in 1924, which is why they've got the museum in Toowoomba. I think the last one closed down in Christchurch in, in the late 90s and then it's reopened again. Anyway, just ahead, <laughs> one more. <laughs> Clickety <laughs> clack. Yeah. More Toowoomba landmarks, uh, great eats and a great place to stay. Stick with us. This is Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew as we romp our way through southern Queensland country. Let's talk food in Toowoomba. Yes, I can testify that uh, the heart of town boasts a host of enticing cafes. <laughs> Why are we not surprised? I know. Uh, and of course, the interesting thing about Toowoomba, any self-respecting eatery in these parts, touts a national icon mm-hmm. in the cabinet, mm-hmm. the Lamington. Another contested one, but yes, move on. Yes. Yes. And Toowoomba. Yeah, has, has this been actually deemed the birthplace of this much-loved Yes. Australian treat. Yes. It has been officially. But there is an inquiry into the race. There is. We'll get to the inquiry in a moment. We will. The Toowoomba story goes, yeah. whether you believe them or not, mm-hmm. that this chocolate-coated and coconut-encrusted cake was first crafted in the sultry Queensland summer of 1896. Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> 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 when Lord Lamington, the governor of Queensland... or oh, the queen of governor land, go on. <laughs> he moved his entourage to Pete to uh, T-Bar to escape Brisbane's heat right in the mm-hmm. summer. Mm. And good old Lord Lamington had a particular liking for snowballs. Now, I know what snowballs are. These oh, things are yes, still around. They are. So they're those round rolled cakes, which are normally served with whipped cream. A snowball round. Indeed. You wouldn't read about it. You wouldn't read about it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Lord Lamington um, asked his cock to whip up um, uh, some because he was having guests over. Unfortunately, the cock didn't have the patty pans required to whip those up, nor did uh, the cock have any cream in the larder. So instead, she improvised, and she made a big plain cake, which she cut into oblongs, icing the tops and the sides with chocolate and sprinkling it with coconut. Oh, arise Lord Lamington's cakes. <laughs> Indeed, and the rest is history. Uh-huh. Or is it? Yeah. Hold the cake. Okay, and now, yeah, there was an inquiry. Yes. Uh, Auckland University researchers undertook this a few years ago. Yes. Researchers yes. revealed that Lord Lamington visited Wellington <laughs> in 1895. Yes. And he was most impressed with the local sweets provided. And according to New Zealand Herald articles at the time, among those sweets was 
a Wellington, mm -hmm. a double sponge dessert dressed in shavings of coconut intended to imitate New Zealand's snow-capped mountains of New Zealand. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. I, I mean, really, are we stretching it that far? Well, I think so, because oh. this is the thing, Andrew. If it was a New Zealand creation, which mm -hmm. Lord Lamington uh, flogged off us, I mean, the pavlova could be a snow-capped mountain, but a lemon? Yeah, that's true. That is I mean, how many, how, many, <laughs> how many of our mountains are square and chocolate or pink <laughs> with pink? I mean, come on. Well, the other thing is, if this was a New Zealand creation, yeah. why don't we call it the Wellington? Maybe it's the exit. Lamington. Wellington. Mate. <laughs> Australian. So I, said, it, I said Wellington. That's true. You heard Lamington. <laughs> So you be the judge on the Lamos true origin. <laughs> Baloney. Well, like the Lamington, Toowoomba has plenty of gracious homes that have stood the test of time. And there's a real treasure you can stay at called Vasey Hall. Oh, yes. Ooh. The most sublime historic boutique hotel. Vasey Hall was uh, built on Russell Street back in 1873 from I'm, recollection. Again, Australia. Love it. Neil Street. Russell Street. <laughs> <laughs> the original Vasey Hall was destroyed in a fire. So the one that's there today, is uh, the current masonry building, was built uh, in 1899. Yeah. Now, this is a heritage-listed gem, right, because it actually speaks to Toowoomba's development as a prestigious residential location for all of those pioneering pastoralists back mm -hmm. in the day. Um, and James Taylor was one of those pioneering pastoralists. That's not a phrase you'd want to say after a few stuff whiskeys. Pioneering pastoralists. <laughs> Have a six-pack of 4X and say, pioneering pastoralist. <laughs> anyway. Get back on track, Michael. Back I'm, on track. I'm thinking, who's that guy that Dame Edna Everidge used to hate who was, um, oh, Sir Les Patterson. That's right. Sir yes. <laughs> so oh. Les Patterson would be right at home in tea bath. Anyway. He would be. So James Taylor, right? He yep. was this pioneering pastoralist. <laughs> and <laughs> the first Vasey Hall that he commissioned was actually as a wedding present for his daughter. So it offers charm, it offers soul and atmosphere in spades. So he was a pioneering pastoralist per, per, parent, parenting? Per, oh, forget it. Move on. He was a parental <laughs> pioneering pastoralist. That'll do it. Yes. So, yes. And, and after, right, after stepping inside, you yes. thought you, now, yes. the thing about you, Michael, yes. is your superstitions run very deep. I know that. You got to have your lucky underwear and your rabbit's foot and part your hair a certain way before going anywhere. And you thought there was a certain presence. I did about this place. I did a hidden yes something. I was thinking to myself, "Are you the ghost whisperer?" And were you? Well, there was a certain something. There was the moment I stepped inside that door. I thought, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> I thought, book now. <laughs> it wasn't a flock of birds coming to attack. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No rainbow lorikeets to report uh, of. No, no. But sure enough, yeah. I think I was onto something, Andrew. Yeah. I think I, I think I smelt a rat because the property's longtime owner mm -hmm. and convivial host Graham Higgins mm. confirmed to me five minutes later the house is haunted, <laughs> and he said it like that. In a very sort of no-nonsense, matter-of-fact, what's-the-problem yeah. sort of fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Graham, who has been custodian of Vasey Hall for about 20 years, mm -hmm. he said um, that he has not personally 
had any encounters, but numerous staff and numerous guests have. Um, So that could be, you know, a bit of added value. If you're mm-hmm. looking for that sort of stay, you, you you never know who might be in your bed with you. 1414 Mockingbird Lane, yes, indeed. go on. Um, but if you go on TripAdvisor, yeah. Vasey Hall, oh my goodness, it's an absolute rock star. People just go crazy about the beautiful rooms, the lavish art, the wraparound veranda. You can walk right around the house on the veranda. Um, magnificent gardens, as you'd expect in T-Bar, and really gracious hospitality from Graham. I felt like, Andrew, I was sleeping in an antique art gallery with all these finely curated art pieces cushioned with homely comforts. And probably quite a few roommates as well you didn't quite know about. True. So what are the standouts from this place? What what's what what really grabbed you? Well, what I loved about it, when I entered the front door and thought I felt a certain something, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. there were these two billowing piles of old leather suitcases, like stacked up theatrically, like chimneys. And it kind of felt Harry Potter-esque, you know? Kind of just had that drama mm. about it. Mm. Um mm. I sort of half expected Paddington Bear to wander out of a room, that sort of thing. Had a really nice Victorian appeal to it. I often see Paddington Bear making a guest appearance in a lot of the Harry Potter movies. Well done. Thank you. They saw you coming, didn't they? Well, I just did a mashup of movies there, but you know what I mean. (laughs) It just had a very atmospheric, Victoriana sort of feel to it. I get it. Um, And I reckon these suitcases were there like a monument to the timeless joy of a great journey. I reckon that's what those suitcases were telling me. Mm. Anyway, so my roost for the night, this was the standout, the luxury emperor suite. I felt like Napoleon. In 1880, they did not make beds any bigger than the exquisite emperor-sized all-brass four-poster with a lace canopy, which is what I slept in. Of course. And I thought Californian kings were big. (laughs) My emperor four-poster. I've I've read that they are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My emperor four-poster, Andrew, without a word of a lie, was so big, I reckon one side of the bed had a different postcode to the other. Anyway, the luxury suite's all about grand proportions. It is. And, and Vasey Hall is a cracker. Okay. Yeah. Now, right across the, wo- <laughs> the road from your extramarital, extramural, extra-terrestrial yes. experiences in this place, which clearly, clearly – Moved you somewhat. Yes, it did. You could enjoy dinner at Gipps Restaurant. Yes. And now this is one of Toowoomba's great historical buildings. Yeah. Clifford House. Now, the reason for that is because this was James Taylor's house. This was his residence. Uh, what, the musician? <laughs> no. No, no, no. The pioneering pastoralist. Sorry, of course. And part-time parent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who built Vasey Hall as a wedding gift for his daughter, Andrew. Yeah. Yes. So this was his house across the road. Right. They kept it close. They like to keep it local in uh, Russell Street. Well, the bed was big enough, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. So anyway, <clears throat> fast forward to today and the uh, beautiful Clifford House is now a restaurant. Um, the restaurant actually proper is housed in James's old billiard room. But if the sun is shining, to be honest, pull up a seat outside under the lush shade of those jacaranda trees. I really liked this. The name Gipps Restaurant. It's named after James Taylor's much-loved pet dog, and there's still a rock in the gardens that you can see today commemorating Gipps' passing. But they do really good regional produce at Gipps. I highly recommend the Pan's Head, Coral Coast, Barramundi, or the Moreton Bay Bug Ravioli. 
excellent. Stay with us as we extract ourselves from the rabbit hole of uh, Alice in Wonderland and make tracks for the glorious granite belt just ahead. Kiwi Tripsters, don't go away. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Queensland is good to go. Planning a winter escape to the Sunshine State? Discover everything Queensland has to offer. Explore destinations, experiences and events to maximise your getaway. Make your first port of call the official website, queensland.com. You are back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, as we trip our way through southern Queensland country after taking in the heritage-tinged sites of Toowoomba, a few ghosts, some of Mike's superstition. Let's head to the Granite Belt wine region. Yeah, for, what? Well, why? You know, wine, you. Why like, not? <laughs> yes. And if you want to hoist yourself even higher than 700 metres in T-Bar, mm. hello, a thousand metres above sea level is the altitude of the Granite Belt. Um, so you are actually quite high. It's a regional wash in farm fresh produce, an award-winning wine trail and scenic natural splendour that is best explored with boots and a backpack. Um, so this is about three hours' drive time from Brisbane, and my first stop was a place called Ballandine. Ballandine. Ballandine, where Queensland's first commercially grown grapes were harvested 90 years ago. So today, Ballandine is home to the Granite Belt's largest number of winemakers, um, and their wines are renowned as high-altitude, cool-climate wines. There is something about that climate when it comes to growing fruit. So how many mm. cellar doors are there to sample from? Oh, my goodness, over mm. 50. And I, I lost count at that point, Andrew. It but, was not um, just move on. Mm, yeah. yes, There's a lot of swirling, <laughs> sniffing and sipping to do in the Granite Belt. Um, yes. Some of my favourites... Uh, in terms of wineries, uh, Ballandine Estate, which is the oldest winery on the block, Ridge Mill is fabulous, Pyramids Road, and Tobin's. Mm. Actually, one thing I learned while I was there, um, this is one of the highest wine regions in the world. So as a comparison, Bordeaux, um, the Granite Belt uh, is almost 900 metres higher than Bordeaux or the Napa Valley in California. So they do a really diverse range of grape varieties. You've got your Merlot and your Shiraz, Cab Sav, Chardy, Semillon, Sauvignon Blanc, you name it. The only other place I could think of where you may be competing is like South Africa. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yep. Okay, beyond the mainstream varieties, the Granite Belt has garnered a huge reputation for its strange birds. And I know you're a fan of strange birds, oh, but yes. as far as wine goes, that's oh, a bit different, right? This is just like a discovery in a glass. Um, they specialise in the Granite Belt in these alternative varietal wines, which are called strange birds. Yeah. Um, and to be a strange bird, it is a variety that doesn't comprise any more than 1% of all of the vines in Australia. So, you know, it's got to be rare in terms of a produced wine in Australia. Um, interestingly, in Europe, a lot of these particular alternative grape varieties have been enjoyed for generations, but they are now emerging as new Australian favourites. So it really is an experiential discovery. Okay, so this this kind of rules out your mass-produced stuff. Totally. As soon as you tick over that 1% of uh, the total bearing vines in Australia, yeah. you're no longer a strange bird. That's it, okay. absolutely. Yeah, okay, so what are some of the strange birds you have sampled? So many unfamiliar names that I fell in love with, um, and the wines, obviously, but um, the names... <laughs> The names that stand out from good tasting are mm-hmm. uh, Sangiovese, Sep 
Paravi, Deruf, Shannon Blanc, Vimentino, Rassan, and Salvana. They were some of my favourites. I uh, must say I'm impressed how you can put in an Italian accent almost anything. Including the French. Indeed. Yes. Uh, one of the legendary trailblazers in the granite belt is a chap called Mike Hayes. Uh, he is besotted by strange birds. He has very much driven this, and he's also a really big cheerleader for sustainable wine growing. And he's the winemaker at Balancing Heart, right? Yes. So this is another vineyard you must add to your checklist, Balancing Heart Vineyard. Mike is a legend, uh, the 2017 Australian Winemaker of the Year. Although, interestingly, Mike bristles about that term winemaker. Why? I actually think he's got a really good point. He reckons he is a wine grower because his philosophy is it's the vine that produces the magic if you tend to it with meticulous care. Ah. It's the vine that's growing the wine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is producing the wine. The winemaker's really just bottling it. So he's a quite humble bloke then, obviously. Absolutely. I love it. love the attitude. Yeah. And he's um, casting his mind like forward 50 years in terms of where wine growing is headed. You and I can't even do 50 days. Well, this is true, Andrew. Yeah. Um, so uh, how so? Well, he believes, obviously, that viability is in many ways dependent on climate change when it comes to wine production. Of course, yeah. So, for example, at Balancing Heart Vineyard, they are currently ripping out the Apinan wire vines because Mike has determined they do not have a future in the granite belt as temperatures steadily rise. Yeah. So they're gone. Um, he's very proud of a red grape variety from Umbria in Italy called Sagrantino, uh, which he's introduced to Balancing Heart. We had a tasting of this from the barrel. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. It was oh. so good. The colour, inky yeah. purple wine, my God. And, it, and the centre of it was almost black. Ooh. So... A very powerful wine. The bouquet was sort of like a mix of plum, cinnamon, and earth. And I loved how Mike said to me, have a taste. It's like a butterfly dancing on your tongue. Oh. And it was actually. Quite sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Put that one on my list. Um, So amongst all these vines, where's a good place to stay or lie down after you've tasted too much out of the barrel? Yes, yes, the recovery ward. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I had a great chat about these strange bird varieties while staying the night with Kiwi-born Simon Balls. So he's a winemaker and a hospitality pro who in recent years has been operating the Vineyard Cottages in Ballandine. So this is a great place to stay, Andrew. Magnificent setting. They've got this really cool on-site restaurant that Simon has put together, which includes um, the remains of a Presbyterian church. Oh, that would have impressed you, no end. Impressed your mother, no end. Lovely stained glass. Oh, how lovely. Yes, I felt like I was communing with a big guy. Oh, good. Um, So lots. (laughs) Yeah, he would have gone you again. Thank you. Mm. Lots of character there. Simon has also secured this awesome block of vines behind Ballandine Station, which is one of the big, you know, farm stations. Yeah. Um, that goes back to like the 1860s. Wow. He's got this magnificent block of vines, um, spectacular setting, and he's in the process of developing the whole site 
as a glamping destination in the Granite Belt. Goes glamping Um, again, yes. Yeah, and he's also into the strange birds. So uh, some of those uh, grape varieties in his wine block are of the strange birds type. And he's got a new winery, Seventh Heaven. That's what he's going to call it. Yeah, this block of vines. Yeah, Seventh Heaven. Isn't that cool? That's a very cool name. And, of course, that's close to the Presbyterian Church. So you can really feel quite – Well, actually – Little insight yes. from memory, yeah. unless I'd had too many of the Sagrantinos. Which is quite possible. Uh, the menu, I think, is very much themed along seven deadly sins. So, yeah, he's got this, <laughs> he's got a thing about seven that has to be said. <laughs> yeah, well, you would have ticked that list off long ago. Yes. All right, coming up, we'll check out some great eats, incredible produce, and outdoorsy experiences in the Granite Belt. Stay with us. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, as we devour the delights of southern Queensland country. Now, it is not only the wine that Granite Belt does well, right? So true. Mm-hmm. I did several salad door tastings with a lovely woman called Cindy. Cindy. Cindy from Wine Discovery Tours. She is the host with the most. And it was such a wonderful <laughs> way to get a flavour for the Granite Belt and one tailor-made experience with a local without having to worry about the driving. Mm. But interestingly, after we had done our dash with the wines, um, she took me to this awesome place called Jamworks. And I thought of you, Andrew, because, of course, you've got very strong family connections with Geraldine in the South Island. Mm-hmm. And Geraldine is synonymous with Barkers of Geraldine. Barking mad. Yeah. Mm. Jamworks is like the granite belt equivalent of Barker's. So lots of gourmet preserves then. Absolutely. Um, And the granite belt alongside wine is just such an incredible location for all sorts of produce. They're like a fruit and salad bowl, uh, the granite belt. So Jamworks taps into that. They're a manufacturer of a myriad artisan goodies, jams, relishes, pickles, pastes, Sources. This so sounds like Barkers of Geraldine, doesn't it? Does, it does, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And their product line, at last count, spans 87 different products. Now, the top seller is, I understand, the Apple Strudel Jam. Yes. You tried it? I can confirm it's irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> they have also got a great cafe on site. And i tell you what, the yeah. uncanny similarities with Barkers continues here. The idea of the on-site cafe yeah. is that you can get all sorts of first-hand, experiential, inspirational ideas on what to do with all of these different products at home. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so a great stop for lunch would be what? Various restaurants is where Cindy took me, and Ah. this this was quite a novelty because it's located at the Queensland College of Wine Tourism. So they've got their own special college for budding hospo superstars of the future. And at Various, they turn on this superb dining experience, sort of like a nala carte luncheon menu. Um, I devoured mellow organic lamb. That was particularly good. Uh, The focus, obviously, is on local produce. It's prepared and served by hospitality students to a very high standard. It's sort of like a signature lunch experience in the Granite Belt, just on the outskirts of Stanthorpe. Nice. And here was me thinking Australia only had a university of 4X. (laughs) Now, Stranthorpe is the big smoke of the Granite Belt, right? Definitely the big country town. Mm -hmm. It lays claim to being the coldest place in Queensland. It's like the hottest place in Antarctica, really, isn't it? It is. Very much. Coldest place in Queensland. Yes. And if you have any doubts about that, they've actually erected a giant thermometer. (laughs) 
in the heart of town. So if you arrive in Stanthorpe thinking, gee, I was warm in the Gold Coast, I'm feeling a bit frigid here, you can check the giant thermometer to see just how crisp it is. Well, wouldn't that be handy? It's worth a trip in itself. <laughs> but the funny thing is, yeah. Cindy said to me, we get a lot of people from Brisbane who come to Stanthorpe to feel fresh air on their face. <laughs> <laughs> They've never experienced like, you know, six degrees Celsius. Hasn't the car got an aircon? I know. Yeah. But anyway, whatever just, it takes. Just open the window in the Cortina. <laughs> exactly. Um, I went to this fantastic place, <clears throat> excuse me, in Stanthorpe called Essen, which is a gorgeous little restaurant. That's a German word. Do you know what it means? To eat. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> Essen takes its grow local, eat local approach very seriously. Its mm-hmm. menu changes every week. Oh, cool. Isn't that brilliant? Okay, every so, week. So, all right. So what did you do there? Well, mm-hmm. I feasted on a wood-roasted, pasture-raised chicken, which came with pumpkin and winter greens and a bit of joss. And for dessert, Andrew, this was the grand highlight of my time in Stanthorpe. I devoured a delicious Morleworth Korkin. Of course you did. Of course you did. It's a German mole mole cake. cake. Yes. Yes. It's a funny kind of recipe. Yeah. Unsweetened cocoa powder, heavy cream. There's nothing funny about Germans. I've got a German friend who always says to me, (laughs) the German sense of humour is no laughing matter. This is very true. It's a very serious matter. Uh, Unsweetened (laughs) cocoa powder, powder, if you were taking notes. Uh, Heavy cream, and it was very heavy cream. I was carting that around for days. (laughs) Bananas Uh, and ground almonds. So So good. Yeah, okay, right. How did you burn this off in due course? Because you would have needed to. uh... (laughs) I had to find a place to burn it off. (laughs) So I took my mall with cooking to Girraween National Park. Ah, it's truth. It's truth. Very close to Balancing Heart Vineyard. Yeah. So you could go back and have another little Sagrantino with Mike (laughs) (laughs) just to help wash down the remains of the mall worth cooking. (sighs) So Girraween is this amazing park, massive granite outcrops, large angular tours. You know how we have tours in central Otago. I do. And Maria Toto. Yeah, Mm. similar to that. Okay. And all of these boulders. Yeah are like precariously balanced. It's like Mother Nature, what the hell were you doing with your marbles? <laughs> you know, they just strung on the sides of hills and mountains thinking, no, well, I'm not going to fall. I'm going to stay here for the next five million years. So, And I'll s- wait for Mike Yardley to walk in. <laughs> <laughs> As he's stumbling up my mountain with his Mallworth Culkin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like anyway. The, like on the roadrunner. Yep. Thank you. That was very nice sound effects brought to you by Andrew Seppi. Yes. Uh, if you're scooting through in spring, by the way, they have the most spectacular wildflower displays among all of these granite rock formations. I headed there very early in the morning. Um, there were frogs, there were lizards, and supposedly snakes rustling among the leaf litter, although it was too cold for the snakes, apparently. Okay, so we've got Mike Yardley out of nature. Surely, surely to goodness there must have been a fly of birds that was out there hunting you. Yes. <laughs> yes. What happened? I had a close encounter with some <laughs> brilliant turquoise parrots who came up and said, G'day, Mike. <laughs> and then quite gently entering 
my terrain some yellow tufted honey eaters. Oh. Isn't that a gentle name for a bird? A yellow tufted honey eater. Charles, what would you like to be when you grow up? I want to be a yellow tufted honey eater. <sighs> Those turquoise parrots are just amazing. Did you feed them? Wow. It was like someone had painted them with a vivid marker. Well, you wouldn't paint with a vivid marker because that's... You know what I mean. I do. Yes. Move on. Um, So anyway, we've got lovely birdies to see Mm. in this granite-strewn countryside. I even had a few red-necked wallabies hopping up to say g'day, Mike. If you are short on time, maybe you've only had a very small Maulworth Culkin the night before. Yes. You could just take a quick 30-minute return walk to Granite Arch. Um, You cross this beautiful creek called Bald Rock Creek. You wind through black butt and stringy bark forest to reach Girawin's very own natural stone archway, which looks like it's come direct from Utah. I love Australian names. Yeah. Wind through black butt. <laughs> now, I don't think a 30-minute stroll soundtracked by a lot of parrots would burn off uh, that mole cake. No, it consumed. didn't. So no. what did you do? Well, I thought I need to channel my inner mountain goat, and you will need to feel like a mountain goat to um, to take this particular assignment. <laughs> um, it's a two-hour return walk to the pyramid. What? The pyramid. There's a pyramid in Australia. Yes. Love it. So... This is going to be a strenuous climb, I hasten to add. But if you've done the nice little gentle granite arch track, you've done probably 25 minutes of your walkies. Okay. So you're on your way. So keep going. And you weave steadily uphill to the base of this ginormous granite dome, which looks like something just dropped on the face of the earth from a far distance galaxy. You will need so much stamina, though, to then mount the pyramid. The ascent Mm. is strenuous, but after a lot of huff and puff, (laughs) I got there. And the Maulworth Culkin was history. It was. Now, I think it is very well established that you are a self-confessed Christmas tragic. And yes. I can, I can, I, yes. I have first-hand experience with this, yes. the little caroler figures that you had in the front window <laughs> and the Christmas decorations. I felt like I'd somewhere between the North Pole and Geppetto on steroids. But anyway, um <laughs> Did Rudolph ring your bells in the granite oh. belt? Well, it would be most remiss of me not to mention a fabulous festive flourish to add to your sightseeing schedule. I was worried about that. Yes. The Granite Belt Christmas Farm. Oh. Now, this is a Stanthorpe Santa institution because not only do they grow 10,000 Christmas trees every year, but they revel in the festive spirit all year round. So you can... Head there and feed Santa's farmyard animals. $2 will get you a bucket of feed. The thing which I found a little bit unusual, Andrew, was there was no Rudolph. There were a couple of donkeys and two startled sheep. (laughs) Which, to be honest... Christmas in Australia. Well, last time I checked Santa's sleigh, I didn't see those particular members of the um, animal family part of the parade. Mm. Nevertheless, you can also shop for amazing decorations in the mistletoe store. But best of all... You've got to go and check out Mrs. Claw's festive handcrafted sweet treats. The Belgian hot chocolate will warm your cockles. 
I'm sure it would warm my cockles. I can't think of anything worse than shopping for Christmas decorations in the middle of the year on an Australian holiday. But if that lights your candle, yep, you rings your bells. Exactly. Now, close to Stanthorpe, <laughs> another accommodation recommendation. What have you got? Yes, just one last um, divine accommodation experience to mention. Serenita Stanthorpe. This is next level glamping. Um, overlooking the tinkling Severn River, Joe Sorbello is your vivacious host. Gorgeous Joe. She oversees this seriously indulgent glamping experience. It's super exclusive. There's only two of these glamping tents on site. Um, they've got a king-sized electric bed, uh, which I did oh. love, you know, with that recline feature, so you can sort of tilt it as you want, Yeah, yeah. depending on your needs at the time. <laughs> I thought this this could go <laughs> downhill very quickly. It could be a disaster. But I thought, gee, I think Joe's bed could give the Empress Suite a run for its money. Well, you wouldn't want to tap into the wrong postcode, would you? <laughs> she's she's also got an internal <laughs> Oh no. No, 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 no. <laughs> She's also got amazing amenities, an internal wood fire. (laughs) She's also got so many amazing amenities. You've got like an outdoor fire pit, a barbecue. You've got an internal wood fire if it's a bit crisp at night, a magnificent stone bath on the deck, a private bathroom with rainfall shower, of course. So, yeah, no expenses have been spared on the design, with each tent also fully appointed with every mod con you could imagine. It is just so indulgent. Indeed, sounds very you. Right, in a mo, we chase down Carly Baston from my Queensland. Uh, We're going to talk about you booking a bit of a holiday to Brizzy, eh? Back in a tick. Find your kind of Queensland holiday with My Queensland, the Queensland experts. My Queensland's holidays are on sale now, and their irresistible holiday packages include stays at the best resorts and exclusive bonus extras you simply won't find anywhere else. My Queensland has a package to suit any kind of Queensland escape you're after. For your kind of Queensland holiday, visit myqueensland.co.nz today. T's and C's apply. Finally, on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we're joined by Carly Baston from My Queensland. Hey, Carly. Hi, how are you going? Carly, why should Kiwis book with My Queensland over other holiday providers? Well, I guess uh, we're the Queensland experts. So if you want to know where to go and what to holiday and what to do while you're there, we're the ones that can help you with that. Um, we're always making sure that we've got the best of breed four and five star hotels across the state, and we know the best things to do while you're in destination. So it's really easy to book with My Queensland. We look after everything for you and we have great value in our packages so you get all those little extras um, that you may not get if you're booking direct. Now Carly as you are the Queensland travel experts tell us why you think Queensland is the ultimate holiday destination. Oh why not? It's a sunshine state. So even when it's cold, it's still beautiful during the day. So it's, um, I mean, there's there's always never a bad time to come to Queensland, that's for sure. So it really does have something for everyone, whether you're couples travelling or solo travellers or travelling with a family. There's there's beautiful places to stay all over the state. We've got obviously the Great Barrier Reef. Um, we've got all the fun and activities on the Gold Coast and everything in between. So um, whatever you're looking for, there'll be something that you can come and enjoy um, uh, in 
well, in Queensland, really. It's frigid in New Zealand. So why is now such a good time to book a Queensland holiday? Well, like I said, there's never really a bad time to book a Queensland holiday, but now is particularly good for one of the reasons that you've just mentioned, and that is the, you know, it is so much warmer here and you can swim all year round depending on how chilly you want to get in the winters, but during the days it's just absolutely beautiful. And, um, even now, there's there's no restrictions travelling between New Zealand and Australia, so it's so easy. And post COVID, now is a great time to come back and experience uh, Queensland and enjoy everything that it has to offer. We've been focusing on Southern Queensland country, one of the more underrated Queensland holiday destinations. What tips do you have when checking out the likes of Toowoomba and the Darling Downs? Toowoomba, T-Bar, as the locals call it. You've got to call it T-Bar. Um, Toowoomba's actually the second largest inland Australian city. So what's really cool about that location is that you get all the perks of the city, but it's also got that country charm, which is so nice and really desirable by a lot of people. And that's why it, it does get visited. Um, there's so many hidden gems in that location. So whether you want to be outdoors or, you know, experience the national parks and trails, mountain biking, or, or just a peace and quiet, it's a great place to go and visit. Um, they've got the Darling Down Zoo, um, that also offer night safaris if uh, you're that way inclined. Um, like I said, the uh, national parks, they've got an art trail, which is really cool, museums, wineries, horse riding, and um, even Mary Poppins House. So that's the home of the Mary Poppins creator, P.L. Travers. So that's, uh, that's in that location as well. Um, but obviously... To get to the Darling Downs um, from New Zealand, you'd have to come through Brisbane or the Gold Coast. So it's a great opportunity to combine um, some of the iconic uh, places you can go and visit on the Gold Coast or um, somewhere in Brisbane as well um, that you can combine that with a trip out to Toowoomba and Darling Downs as well. So it's a good entry into that location. Have you got a special Queensland deal that you'd like to share with our listeners? I certainly do. So we do have a great Gold Coast offer this time um, with our wonderful partner, Sofitel Gold Coast Broadbeach. So this is French-inspired luxury um, and it is based in the heart of Broadbeach. So it is walking distance to Star Casino, um, to Pacific Fair, to the beach, um, which is such a good place to go and actually holiday and experience the Gold Coast. So with this offer, it's a five-night package. Um, It is land only, but you can certainly add your uh, flights and transfers as well. But it's from only $849 per person. But what you get for that is amazing. So it's five nights in a superior ocean view king room, and that includes breakfast daily, a late checkout, and Wi-Fi. So important to be able to post all your social media while you're traveling, Um, as well as up to $2,000 in bonus value. So there is a guaranteed room upgrade in there so you can experience those beautiful ocean views. Uh, We also have entry to Skypoint Observation Deck with uh, $20 per person. So you can go up there and have a little wine for sunset and, uh, you know, 360 degrees of the Gold Coast, but best way to go and experience it, as well as a fully guided tour of our famous O'Reilly's Rainforest Retreat and the Canungra Valley Winery Vineyard. So that's out in the hinterland, so experiencing the hinterland as well as what the beach can offer. But as part of this package as well, you also get a $150 wine dine credit. So you can um, eat to your heart's content while you're in location, as well as the privileges dining card, which actually gives you um, exclusive and rewarding discounts through um, different res- uh, restaurants on the Gold Coast. You can go and check those out, as well as a My Queensland local experience passes. So that offers you discounts across a range of amazing local attractions and experiences. So if you did want to go to the theme parks or go and experience other tours and attractions, 
attractions, that's a good thing to have as well. That sounds incredible, Carly. What do you love about this deal? I think it's got everything. I mean, you just turn up, right? So you don't have to worry about your breakfast, you get your wine dine, um, but also, you know, those great inclusions and being able to experience the best that the Gold Coast has to offer, whether it's, you know, <laughs> up the top of the Sky One, as, as uh, <laughs> I'll take that back, whether it's up the top of Q1 and experiencing 360-degree views or if you're heading out to the hinterland and seeing that as well. So I think it's a really good package to come and have fun on the Gold Coast. How can Kiwis book this incredible offer? You can contact us at the Holiday Experts at My Queensland on 0800 422 004 or visit our website at uh, myqueensland.co.nz. Thanks for joining us again, Carly. So just to repeat the website, myqueensland.co.nz. Well, that's it for this edition. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page and our show notes are available, as always, on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. For some great travel reading on all things Tawumba and the Granite Belt, mate, <laughs> mate, check out our feature articles on For the Love of Travel, the website address, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That's fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters wherever you get your podcast. And we'll catch you again in a fortnight as we head to Brisbane and Moreton Bay. Take care. Thanks for listening. Hello. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.